Welcome to the Swim Strong Dry Land podcast. We are dedicated to inspiring and educating the swimming world. Our podcast highlights the work, character, and achievements of in and around the Swim Strong community. I am excited to bring Kathleen Motter here for the Swim Strong Dry Land podcast, but we are going to jump right into the rapid fire questions. Kathleen, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. What is your favorite swim meet food? Um, Mott's strawberry applesauce. Ooh, good pick. What's the best Halloween costume that you've ever worn? Um, I was She-Hulk last year for Halloween, so that was fun. Like it. What's a skill that if you could automatically perfect it, not swimming related, what skill would you choose to perfect? I want to be able to do perfect pull-ups again. Oh, I like it. It's <laughs> a good choice. Uh, if you could hang out with any celebrity, who would it be? Um, it's gonna sound bad. Kim Kardashian. <laughs> there you go. What is the funniest swim meet memory that you have? Um, I slipped like banana peel slipped on the pool deck one time and just ate it. <laughs> oh man, that is not fun. Um, who's your favorite cartoon character? Um, I like, it's technically like a, not a cartoon, but like Calvin and Hobbes. I like them. They're like, I guess it mm -hmm. is. It's a cartoon, but. And last one, what's your favorite thing about Swim Strong Dryland? Um, I like that y'all like are swimmers and you like make Dryland for swimmers because a lot of things are not like actually mm -hmm. swimming based and swimming focused. So yeah, it's really cool. Well, those are your rapid fire questions. You did a great job. Kathleen is a swim strong alumni now at Rhodes college in Memphis, Tennessee. So we're excited to have you on here. Um, tell us a little bit about your story, your journey up to this point, uh, when you started swimming and kind of what that has looked like for you up to this point. Um, so I started swimming when I was four at my neighborhood pool and you know, those little like wetsuits that have the long zippers so you can zip them up yourself. So I wore one of those and I refused to swim unless someone was holding the little zipper. So that was, <laughs> that was where I started. Um, and then I joined fish when I was seven and I have been, I swim with fish all the way through my senior year of high school. I'm actually going back to practice tonight. So I'm excited to see Nicole. But my junior year of high school, I committed to swim for Rhodes College in Memphis. And I've been there the past two years. So I'm a sophomore awesome. this year. How did you choose to go to Rhodes? Um, well, it's kind of weird. So when I was going through the recruiting process, I was only talking to D1 schools up north. And I actually turned down a couple of schools because I was like, I don't want to go to school in the South. And then I, the, um, Steve reached out to me. He's our coach at Rhodes. And I talked to him and I went and visited and I came back from that. And I was like, I don't want to go anywhere else. Um, a big thing for me was that I so I had been getting sick since I was 13. I had POTS. I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is like a genetic connective tissue disorder. Mm -hmm. So 
my connective tissue doesn't hold my uh, my joints and stuff correctly, so I dislocate things. And I have scoliosis, but the EDS affects that because it doesn't hold my like muscles and ligaments and stuff don't hold my spine up correctly. So my spine's deteriorating. Mm-hmm. And um, so thinking about all of this, I was like, I don't know if I will be able to swim four years. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to go somewhere where I could still compete and still swim at the collegiate level, mm-hmm. but not have the, not the pressure of swimming D1, but I didn't want, like my scholarship that I get from Rhodes is independent of if I swim or not. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want the two to be connected. I wanted yeah. to be able to swim and I wanted to be able to go to school where I want. And I didn't want there to be, I wanted to swim because I wanted to swim, mm-hmm. not because there was something holding me there. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you've been through a lot more than most people ever have to go through. The fact that you're swimming in college is incredible. I don't think people realize um, the things that you've had to battle through. And actually, um, even I didn't realize until later on into your swimming career um, with the fish and you actually started a social media account um, on Instagram called Kathleen's Cancer Chronicles. Is that right? Is mm-hmm. that the yeah. correct? Okay. Um, and I've loved um, being able to follow along and just learn and be inspired by you. Um, tell everybody a little bit about that, your journey um, and dealing with cancer as a young athlete and a young uh, girl. Yeah, so it's kind of weird. So I actually found the original tumor because of swimming. So I have Herthel cell thyroid cancer. So the original tumor was in my neck. Um, and I think it was summer 2020 when we were swimming outside and I kept having trouble breathing when I was swimming and I already get hives when I work out. So I thought I had mast cell activation syndrome. It goes with POTS, EDS, all that other stuff. But I I thought I was having an allergic reaction. And I went to an allergist and he told me that I was having panic attacks mm. and that I was just super anxious. And I'm like, I don't think I'm anxious at practice. I don't feel anxious, but I was like, okay, whatever. Oh, wow. um, and so <laughs> I just kept swimming. I kept, I I felt like I was choking basically when I was swimming, like it felt like my throat was closing. And so that was really tough. And so eventually I went to a new doctor who does like robotic spine surgery on NFL players. And I went to him about my back because it really hurt. Um, And he got an MRI on my spine, but he got it all the way from my neck down to my tailbone. And that's where they found the original tumor. Mm. So we found this tumor and just like being, I went to practice the next day. I did all of this. It wasn't supposed to be cancer. They did all these tests. They did all these biopsies. And I think by the time I got surgery, everything that they had done, there was like a 30% chance that it was cancer. Okay. Wow. So I, I had signing day on november 10th and then november 11th i got surgery um, wow. i got my first surgery they took half my thyroid out um the half of the tumor and it took almost a month to get pathology back because i was officially diagnosed december 2nd 
2021. Okay. Um, because the the type of cancer I have is so rare. Um, it's like two percent of thyroid cancer, and then like only five percent of thyroid cancer is in people under eighteen, mm. and so it just basically everything that happened was not supposed to happen. Mm. And so they thought they got it all out. I kept swimming um, through all of this. I swam at States um, a week before my second surgery when they took the other half of my thyroid out. And what I had absolutely no idea of was that there was cancer throughout my entire body. Mm. Um, because they when they took my tumor out in the pathology, it said, suspicious for vascular invasion but they couldn't really diagnose it and so they didn't think anything but i get really strong gut feelings about things and i knew like i knew it was cancer and everyone tried to tell me that it wasn't mm -hmm. i knew that it spread and everyone tried to tell me that it didn't and it did but they they took my other half of my thyroid out two days after states um so I say finals, all that stuff. That's <laughs> so wild. It like thinking about it, it, it really is that I just I had no idea. And I so was you, I was so sick. So let me uh, I want to get back to this um story and kind of you mm. now fighting this and dealing with diagnosis. But tell me, but I need to pause because how the heck did you swim <laughs> state finals? When you were going through all this, like that doesn't, that's wild. I feel like going through something like that, uh, most people would like be at home in their bed, you know, and rightfully so, right? Like rightfully so you would have yeah. had every right to do something like that. Like, what were you thinking? How did you think, do that? Like, I, I love swimming and people always ask me, they're like, why do you keep doing this? Like, why do you go to school? Why do you do? And I'm like, because I love it. And like one thing that I, I just, I've always swam. I, I love being in the water. I love the feeling of being in the water and I just, it's never been an option for me to quit. Like people, my mom has asked me a thousand times, like I passed out in the pool one time after I swam hunter fly and she asked me, do you want to stop? Like, do you want to quit? And I shut her down every time. And like, I mean, my mom, I've heard my mom talking to people and she's like, sometimes I think she wills herself across the pool. And I do like, I, um, like I just, it's, it's just never been an, an option for me to stop. Like before I was diagnosed with POTS, there was a point where I could not go 10 minutes without swimming and then getting out and collapsing on the oh side of the gosh. pool. And I, I, I showed up every single day and I did what I could. And if that meant 10 minutes and then I couldn't do anything else, then that was my 10 minutes for the day. Hmm. But then I came back the next day and I kept going and I kept trying and just, it's just one day at a time. Wow. Like I have this, I have this little rock, um, that one of my friends gave me and it says one day at a time. And that's just how I've gone through this. That's amazing. Uh, uh, that's absolutely incredible to hear your mindset. Um, 
dealing with all those things, you have <laughs> so many reasons that you could have stopped. And, you know, I think people can learn so much from that because, I mean, people will not swim a best time and like be like, oh, maybe I should quit swimming. And you're like, hey, like I can't even like swim more than 10 minutes without collapsing and like I'm still going. So like, you know, there's, I just, I feel like the mentality that you have is significantly different from the average person, um, significantly different. Is that something that you've had pre all the diagnoses or is that something you've had to develop? Like, Hey, I don't have a choice. I've I, had to develop this. So I, it, it was definitely something I had to develop. I was really, really fast when I was younger and I was able to do a lot of things that I can't do now. Um, and so just having to like reframe the way I think about achievement has been really difficult. And I'll, I'll admit there have been days where I've sat on the side of the pool and cried, mm -hmm. like just sobbed, sobbed while I was swimming, like got out and just been so upset that like, I couldn't, that I couldn't do this thing that I could do when I was 12 mm. and I'm like 18 and should be able to do a lot more. Mm. Um, but it's just like, I, I will have my days and I, but I've never thought about quitting. Yeah. No, like I makes... can't say that that's ever been a real option for me. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense too. And you're a human, you're going to have emotions, you're going to have experiences. Yeah. And when you experience loss and things get taken from you, like what you used to be able to do versus what you can mm -hmm. do, that's not easy for anyone. And so to have you share those things candidly, honestly, openly, I think is so powerful. Um, because I feel like most people would hide those things like, and just share the 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 happy side of things and um you know the other side not all the behind the scenes details and like yeah. no like that's that's real and i think um just from a even from a coaching perspective i can say like there's you come across like a handful of kids in your life for sure who inspire you um and it's never it's never the people who just go fast times right like fast times can be inspiring sure but it depends on what the journey looked like yeah. you know i have had <clears throat> people who have never made any type of national meet or even come close been some of the most inspiring people in my life and as a coach and i've had people who have done amazing things in this sport and um swam at the highest levels and and that's inspiring too but they're on the same level like and what people what determines for me whether something is inspiring to me or not is your character in the process, what you've had to do to get there, right? Like if you go, uh, uh, you swim a hundred fly and it's just something that's close to the best that you've done um, since having cancer, like I would probably break down sobbing on the pool deck <laughs> because, because knowing all the things that you had to go through to do that, that would be insanely inspiring so what you're talking about reframing what success looks like and what you're especially going from like hey you said i was really really fast as a 12 and under yeah but then i started having to deal with all these things um reframing isn't just like 
oh, this is um, I need to change my um, definition of like I need to change like the thought of like, oh, can I still be successful or not? No, no. It's yeah. like redefining success and realizing success is much more than just the times on the scoreboard. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just I, I'm I'm super inspired just hearing you say these things um, because that's really what it is. Success is doing the best you can with what you have. And you have no idea how many people that can inspire. Um, and yeah. someone who wins a gold medal versus someone who's doing what you're doing and just keeps swimming like gold medal is cool, but I'm sorry what you're doing is cooler. <laughs> it just is. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that can be encouraging, too, because even just hearing you say it, I'm like, dang, this girl's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. For sure. Um, yeah, it, oh, go ahead. It it just like I I used to go best times all the time. Even in the high school, I was still like going best times a lot. But it just it turned into if I can swim one more hundred than I did yesterday or five more minutes or like even just putting like being able to put more effort and more energy into something that was a win like last week at practice I felt horrible I thought I wasn't going to be able to make it and then I get there and I'm able to swim all 12 100s that we did that's awesome and like that just like the little things like that that I haven't been able to do in a long time that's really cool so, well, talk a little bit about, so I want to dive more into your journey and your fight and your mindset um, through all this. Um, you said you've been dealing with things since you were young, like I believe mm -hmm. you said 13 years old, yeah. different, all kinds of different things that have come up. Um, what has changed from when you first started um, dealing with these things and fighting these things? from then to now, like, what's that journey look like? What, what do you do as a 13 year old girl who gets these different diagnoses and your mindset around that and how you respond to it? And how has that changed over time? Um, it definitely, I think it was a lot harder on me before, like when I was younger, I think even just you're less emotionally mature than I would be as a 19 year old. Um, but just I think this entire process, even not related to swimming just in life, is grieving the life you had before, like while you're still alive, mm. which is weird. It's a very weird concept. Um, but there's a lot of things that I can't do. Um, and just the initial shock of that, that there are things that I'm not going to be able to do and there are things that are going to limit me, that was really, really difficult for me. And it does, like, it does build up. Um, and sometimes it's like, holy cow, like, there's, like, every time I turn around, it's like I'm getting hit by a truck. Mm. Like, I think, like, it's, this sounds really bad, but every, every time I got a new diagnosis, my mom would say, at least it's not cancer. And then it was cancer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So it's like, it, it was she was trying to put it in perspective mm -hmm. that like it there's still like i'm still able to do things and still able to do whatever but it it was i think it was definitely harder when i was younger and yes like being diagnosed with cancer was 
like shocking and I mean I knew like deep down I knew that I had cancer but just the reality of it and then just the fact so they thought they got it all out right and then after states after I got the second half of my thyroid out they use this blood test called thyroglobulin um and it basically any any thyroid cells in your body will make thyroglobulin and so if you have no thyroid theoretically your thyroglobulin should be zero well mine was 670. oh my gosh um and so they're like something's wrong and i knew i knew something was wrong and they got a ct in my chest and they were like there's a tiny tumor in your lung but there's nothing else so we can't say that this is definitively anything so they were like it's fine but then my surgeon was fighting for me and she was like we need you need to go to washington hospital center in dc you need to go get this dosimetry which is so they use radioactive iodine to treat thyroid cancer because mm -hmm. your thyroid cells take up iodine and they make thyroid hormones so they kill it with radioactive stuff which is crazy because it, it's a pill that you ingest so they bring it up in an ammo can in a metal like in a mm -hmm. box in a lead can in a lead box wow. and then they're like eat this uh, <laughs> like okay like, uh... don't go within three feet of people but, so they they basically um they use all these different tests and scans with dosimetry to find out how much like the highest safe dose of radioactive iodine that you can get based on your tumor burden based on all these things well they found 12 tumors i think wow on this dosimetry scan so there was one on my skull that they actually didn't see they found that later um it it's been there the whole time but it was missed a couple times that's a whole other thing wow. but there was one on my skull four on my spine two on my tailbone one on my seventh left rib two in my right hip and one in each arm by my shoulder so like my body was filled with cancer like it was all over the place um and just like that like going around like knowing that my body was like you know what I'm saying? like that i think that was the most like the the hardest part of it for me because once thyroid cancer spreads it's considered incurable mm -hmm. so right now i think i have four or five tumors but this is the best that it's ever going to be and so having to like process that i'm going to live with this has that besides the initial like diagnoses at 13 that has been the hardest part mm. because it it's something that's it's never going to go away like there will never be an after cancer for me mm -hmm. it will always be with it and so, so with that being the case right now like where are you with the process what does it look like like keeping it in check mm -hmm. um what is that process day to day for you now and dealing with that so it's been it's been pretty good right now i've been stable for over a year awesome. so that's been really good um i have 
two tumors on my spine, two on my tailbone, one on my skull. So there's okay. five. Um, but basically I get this drug that stops my, it regulates the way my bones make cells so that it makes it harder for new tumors to attach to them. And it makes it harder for me to break something, especially with the tumors on my spine, they're worried about um, fractures and stuff. So I get that. I used to get it every three months, but it can make your bones really brittle. So they're moving it to like every five-ish months. Um, and then I just get blood work every couple months. So it's not the actual process of dealing with it day to day is not bad, but the, the reason it isn't bad is because there are a lot of things that don't work for thyroid cancer. Um, like chemo doesn't work cytotoxic chemotherapy, like the stuff that makes you bald, that doesn't work. Um, external radiation is not really proven to work very well. Um, They'll try it on the tumor on my skull if that keeps growing because it's it's down here. It's on my occipital bone, like right near my brain stem. Okay. So if that, I think it's like, I don't know, it's like a centimeter right now. But if it keeps growing, they'll try and radiate it. But it it can like it can destroy the bone. So you do it osteonecrosis i think mm -hmm. that's what it's called and okay. it, your bones start to die and they don't want that on my skull um so they're trying to wait to do that as long as they can if it stays stable um and then so radioactive iodine is what they use to treat thyroid cancer but the dose they gave me was so big because they were worried that i would become radioactive iodine resistant um so now that won't work gotcha um okay. And that, so there's, there's not a ton that they can do for it. Um, there are a couple options, like if things start growing, but they really just slow down the growth. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's not bad because there's not a lot they can do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's kind of a and it's a win-lose situation because my my daily life is normal but it's because of the that. treatment so, yeah 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 and are there treatments that they're working on right now that are showing promise well, do you do they do anything experimental so or they do immunotherapy but they do it with it's not again not proven to work with thyroid cancer alone so they do it combined with a drug that's a tyrosine kinase inhibitor, which basically blocks um, um, like cell signaling. Um, so you can't have phosphorylation cascades in your cell and you can't basically make more cells. Um, but you need a mutation to target for those. Lucky me, I actually don't have one. Um, I'm like, but that's what I'm saying is like everything that could have gone wrong, like went wrong in this mm. situation. Um, mm. I have a RNA fusion, which is not for one. I have a BRAF RNA fusion, which nobody has ever heard of. Ever. So my, so my doctors take my case to their tumor boards at Georgetown 
and Washington Hospital Center, and none of them have ever seen anyone with a graph RNA fusion. (laughs) So there's options, but there's not really anything like specifically targeting what I need to target because I don't have anything to target basically there there's no dna mutation that would be targetable to um use one of these new drugs so so it would be something brand new essentially that hasn't come out yet that would have to be different is there something that um people who are listening is there something that like some sort of research that's going on right now that people could contribute to is there something um that you think is moving this forward that could help with um finding some sort of cure or help for what you're going through um i honestly i'm not sure what's going on with that like my doctors so i go to chop um children's hospital of philadelphia they have Mm -hmm. like the advanced thyroid cancer program in the country like people travel from California to go to CHOP. Um, They are on the same page as my doctors here in DC. So I don't, I don't know if there's anything going on. Um, But like, I don't know. I feel like I'm okay where I am. Like the, the reason that I'm not already, they use, so they use the tyrosine kinase inhibitors to slow down the growth, whatever they, if you have a mutation, they can target and stop. Um, they can stop the growth, but the reason they haven't already put me on it is because they really make you sick and they don't Mm -hmm. make you like these drugs do not make you feel good. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people have to stop them because the side effects are so bad. And like where I'm at, I think they think it's better for me to be off of it mm-hmm. than to be sick. Gotcha. Makes so, sense. How did you get... Well, first of all, I really appreciate you being so vulnerable with all these different things so people can get some insight into what you have to walk through day to day, the mindset you have to have, and the um, all the different things that you've had to think about um, and work through. I don't know hardly anyone who um speaks like that and is as open which i think is super encouraging um can you talk a little bit about your path to i mean you you're now sharing things publicly you're on a podcast right now but you also had uh have a social media account dedicated towards your journey um so obviously openly speaking about things um why did you start doing that? Was it always like that? Have you always been this open? What's that process looked like for you? Um, so when I was first diagnosed, I my close friends knew and like Nicole knew, um, my coaches, my family, all of them. But outside of my like direct circle, I didn't tell anyone. Um, I think just me looking healthy it it gives me the ability to hide it almost so for the first month or so i i just i wasn't ready to tell anyone because it 
it is a big thing. It is, I like, I don't think I even realized how impactful this would be on my life. Like, I thought they took the tumor out. Like, I'd just get radioactive iodine. I'd be fine. Um, that was the plan. That was what was supposed to happen. And so I just was not, I had not fully processed everything. And then I finally, I posted something on my Instagram um, in January about it, January, 2022. And I slowly started talking to people about it. And I think part of the reason that I opened up so much was because first of all, no one's ever heard of my cancer. It's so rare. Um, like at CHOP, I think there's two or three other kids that they're treating with Herthel cell, um, which is not a lot. My doctor's only seen two patients and he doesn't treat kids. Um, he treats adults. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's only seen two people who have Herthel cell thyroid cancer with bone mass. And just like, if you look at the way it spread, the way like skull, bone mats, like spine mats, all of that. It's like 55-year-old men, 70-year-old women. Like it shouldn't have happened the way it did. Um, And so people would make comments to me that were, first of all, very insensitive. Um, And second of all, just kind of coming from a place of curiosity, but just didn't come out the right way. And it was something for me, I was like, I would want people to know and to be able to learn so that they don't say something that they probably shouldn't have, but like, it comes from a good place. It really does. A lot of the comments do come from a great, like a good place, but it's just, it's the lack of awareness almost that leads to these comments so what are some of the comments that you've heard that or things that people say that you're like yeah you probably shouldn't well there's one big one but a lot of people like will look at me and ask me if i'm gonna die and i'm like the answer is probably yes um my doctors told me two years ago that the goal was 10 years if it was really bad less than five and then anything after 10, I'd be really lucky. Like if I got 20 years, I'd be super lucky. And so like people would ask me that. And normally I just say like, I'm going to be fine because it's hard to have that conversation, especially with someone you're not very close with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, or they'd be like, you look fine. Like, or they'd make, someone told me it was the day after I got diagnosed. I, so I got diagnosed Thursday. I got an email that said, you have a new test result. And I click on it. My doctor is calling my mom. I'm like sobbing. That was a whole thing. But the next day, so Fridays we had swim meets for high school. And if you swim, want to swim in your high school meet, you have to go to class for at least like one period during the day. Mm-hmm. So I showed up to my AP chem lab. I took, I did my AP chem. I left and then I swam that night, oh but somebody came up to me and told me that I was super lucky that I didn't have to take the quiz that day. 
And I just looked at them. <laughs> like at this, <laughs> we're at this meet. And someone's like, you are just so lucky you didn't have to take that quiz. Like that oh was gosh. so hard. And I was like, you did not just <laughs> say that to me. Unbelievable. But, I mean, even now, like, I, so I go to school in Memphis. I have an oncologist in Memphis that mm. basically when I need to get my infusions, I just get them there or like blood work, stuff like that. And so I went to go get my infusion and I'm sitting in the waiting room with my friend Lydia and I'm talking to her about like how I got diagnosed, how they found my tumor, like all this stuff. And then this lady sitting next to us, she's there with her husband and she turns to me, she's like, oh, I have thyroid cancer too. And so she has papillary, which is one of the most common types of thyroid cancer, but she's telling me how like they only want to take half her thyroid out and how we're so lucky that we're in the like 97% of survivors and there are cancers that are actually deadly. And I just sat there and like I smiled and I nodded, whatever. But then I went home and I sobbed mm-hmm. for like two hours because that was just like, she didn't mean anything by it, but she had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I think just being able to reach people um i actually made a tiktok a few weeks ago that's like um it says like it got like two point some million views but it's like you proof you never know what people are going through and it's like it's a picture of me standing there like smiling and something had happened with my like i was diagnosed with cancer the day before or like a few weeks after and I posted something on Instagram of me smiling or I was at prom Mm -hmm. and they found Mm -hmm. the 12 tumors the week before Mm -hmm. like it's so easy to hide these things and it's so easy for people to just not have any idea but I think that's like like I wish people just would understand that that like you really don't know what people are going through yeah. And so I think my like Instagram account brings light to that, that there are things that like, I look healthy, I look strong, I look fine. Um, and I think that that can show you that there is more to things and just like to be mm-hmm. kind to people mm-hmm. because you, you don't know this. Like you, yeah. you would have no idea yeah. looking at me. That's such a good, <clears throat> that's such a good reminder. Um, and just day to day truth people should live by is that be kind to people. You really don't have any clue what people are going through. I feel like every single person you come across in life, there's something that they're going through that you have no idea about. Um, and so that's really great to hear um from you and i'm sure a lot of people will benefit from that um and i'm sorry you've had to go through all those different things and i'm sure it's daily you know that you encounter different things and you think about them in a different way than anybody else would because of the things you have to go through um and um there's just a certain level of courage and bravery that you have to have right to walk through what you're walking through and um, it's incredible. Um, and what's something, um, just like if you could share something that maybe that, that you wish people knew that, um, 
that they don't realize like about you? Would it be what you already said? Would there be something else like, Hey, what something um, that, uh, just like day to day, something that you wish people could know about you or that you have to go through that would just be so nice if everybody was on that page. Well, I think like people always ask me, they're like, why are you at school? Like why? So I'm a chemistry major. Um, people are like, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you go to school? Why would you be in Memphis? Why, why are you doing this? And I'm like, because I'm alive. Like mm -hmm. they say I could never. I'm like, well, I don't have a choice. Mm. The choice is strong or dead. And I don't, I don't want the second option. Mm -hmm. So like I do, and I continue my life because I am alive. And I think just understanding that just because I do have metastatic cancer, I do have to deal with these things. Like I'm still like, I'm still here. I'm still alive. I think that's just the, the bottom line. Like I want to become a pediatric oncology nurse because my nurses made like the biggest difference. Um, when I was in the hospital, there were many times last year, like the week before conference, I was in the hospital because my kidneys were shutting down. Wow. I, I was on scoring team at conference the week after. <laughs> we actually won. Um, wow. So hopefully we win again this year. But the week before, I was in the hospital for four days because I was halfway to kidney failure. But I do it. I do all these things because I love it and because I – I, I am alive. And mm -hmm. I think it almost is really hurtful to say, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Like, why would you still be here? Because it's minimizing the person. Like mm -hmm. my cancer is me, but I'm not my cancer. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's, yeah. That so. makes a ton of sense. And I absolutely love what you said. And that is, something that um i feel like would be really difficult and honestly a lot of people struggle with identity issues like letting certain things define them that aren't them mm -hmm. and i feel like cancer would be one that you would be extra hard because it's something that you know is always on your mind and something that you're always fighting and that people you know are probably always asking um you know different things about and uh not necessarily super sensitive to uh, so it's kind of it's always on the forefront of your mind. And so you could fall into this trap, I'm sure, of believing like, oh, this is who I am. Like I have. But like, no, that's like that's just a part of of your story. It's a part of Kathleen's story. Um, but you are Kathleen. Like you are so much bigger than that. Um, there's a million different parts of your story. This particular part of your story, which is super challenging in ways that a lot of people can never understand and will never understand, um, is just another way for you to inspire people and just show off who you are. And yeah. um, well, go ahead. So I this might be controversial, but I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. I believe that you have the ability to find purpose in a situation. Like, I don't think that I should have to get metastatic cancer to inspire other people or to make some sort of difference 
but I believe that I like I have chosen to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, so I am a tridel. It's my sorority, and our so Memphis is where St. Jude is. So our national and local philanthropies are St. Jude. So like I that has given me the opportunity to continue to make a difference for other kids who have cancer. And so like with this, with my Instagram, with one of the, one of the girls in my health equity class wrote an article about me for the Rhodes newspaper or magazine or whatever it was. It was on the little um, website. So every time I'd open the website, it'd be like a picture of me. It was really weird, but, (laughs) but I've chosen to find purpose in a horrible situation mm-hmm. that doesn't, but I don't think this fell into my lap mm-hmm. because I easily could have shut down. I could have not wanted to do anything. I could have quit. I could have quit school, swimming, whatever it was, but I chose to do this. Mm. Um, I chose to continue to do these things. So, yeah. That's super inspiring. And just, I feel like for anybody who's listening, if you're not inspired by this, um, you're absolutely nuts. I feel like whatever people are going through, um, they can take a lesson from you and realize, Hey, I can choose to find purpose in this. Like this is, this is the hand that I've been dealt. So what am I going to do with it? Like if something you can't change, um, you can't change the specific situation, but you can change the mindset that you choose to have and how you choose to use it um and that's something that you've done so phenomenally um that i think it's absolutely amazing and um can you give um i want to ask just one last question about just on you talked about like hey i'm still alive and i'm going to live it uh you know to the fullest essentially is what I hear you saying. Do you feel like, and this may be a a cliche thing or a thing you get asked a lot. I'm not sure, but um, do you find that like how you value each day has significantly increased? Do you feel like that's changed at all? Is about the same um, or just like different? I think I definitely have a different outlook on life than I did. I mean, sometimes like I, I do get angry about it. Um, and I'm like, I should not feel lucky to live to 27. Like mm-hmm. that should not, you know what I'm saying? Like that should not be something you feel lucky to do mm-hmm. in any situation. But I do like, I wake up and I, everything I do has a purpose. And I think that's the difference is I used to just kind of like, I, I do something and like, yes, it was for whatever, but every single thing that I do in my day, every relationship that I have, like friendship, whatever, if there's value and there's like real purpose mm-hmm. with it. And that I think that's how it shifted a little bit. Um, like I've been, it's not that I've put more into it it's that i'm able to i've been able to take more out Mm. like i've been able to see more um more value and more like purpose in the way that i live my life 
Because I don't think anything I've done has, like, drastically changed. Like, I still, I don't know, hang out, do whatever. I sleep a lot. It's my favorite activity. I love to <laughs> Um But I think just being grateful for, like, little things that I'm able to do. Like, mm-hmm. because I know that at some point I will lose the ability to do these things. Mm-hmm. So every single moment that I get to swim, that I get to walk around that I get to be with people that I love, like I will take it. Mm -hmm. I feel like people finding purpose and meaning and value in the time that's right in front of them right now. You talked about taking it one day at a time. Um, That's a mindset that I want to adopt all the time and that I speak to athletes and people around the country about like, Hey, all you can, all you can control is what's right in front of you right now. And oftentimes we think down the road about all these moments that things that could happen and things that makes us make us anxious um or live and dwell in the past uh which takes away from the joy of the present right and so being present is something i think that's hard for anybody um but especially when you have all different types of adversity and obstacles and i feel like you're doing it beautifully um and i know that people will take a lot from that just okay be present live one day at a time um and kathleen i want to see you beat the hell out of this cancer (laughs) i want to see you do things that nobody's ever done uh you know you have you're in a situation where it sounds like very few people have ever been and so i could see you being in a, a spot uh far down the road that very few people would have ever thought possible um and so um i appreciate you so much coming on here sharing your heart um and all the different things uh that so many people can learn from um and hopefully inspire other people who may be in the same situation that you are or i know no situation is the same but a similar situation and being fearful of going through what they're going through and and you can be uh, a wicked inspiration uh, and encouragement to them um, to live with purpose regardless of what's thrown your way. Um, and so um, is there any f- um, final things you want to say on here before we before we sign off? This has been absolutely amazing. Um, I don't think so. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on here. I really appreciate it. Um, and I know everybody who's watching will be blessed by this. So thank you so much, Kathleen. Thank you for having me. Got it. Thank you for listening to the Swim Strong Dry Land podcast. If you'd like to be a part of the Swim Strong Dry Land family, you can reach out to us via email or social media. You can also follow Swim Strong Dry Land on YouTube and TikTok for more educational content.